Hello, I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. How is everyone this fine Tuesday? We are brought to you by Core Belts, K-O-R-E, Belts. I'll tell you more about them in a moment. But I promised you I would finish out the over-under win total series. And we've done seven of the eight divisions. So we are going to finish with the NFC West. Poor NFC West always ends up last in these things. So, oh well. They'll get over it. But, if you've listened to the other seven, you know how this works. If you haven't, or if you're new, shame on you, or welcome. Spread the word. Go to iTunes, leave me a review. Um, The NFC West, of course, will play six games within the division. Two against every other team in the NFC West. They have four games against the AFC West, so... Unlike some West teams, you know, they don't have as crazy of a road trips in that regard, you know, in terms of distance. Not that that's a, that big a deal, not even maybe not even that, that noteworthy. So they play the AFC West, and they play the NFC North, who looks pretty darn good this year. So, not easy. You know, I mean, there are some difficult schedules here for some of these teams that we're going to get to, and I'll tell you all about them. Um, and then, of course, there's two variable games, depending where they finished last year. Okay, so the first team we are going to talk about in the NFC West is the LA Rams. And we do this by decreasing over under Vegas win total lines. Their line is nine and a half. My buddy Warren Sharp, who's been on the show, gives them the ninth most difficult schedule in the league. Their variable games are the Eagles and the Saints, which I think are the best two teams in the NFL. Um, when I wrote this article up for my website, williamsonfootball.com, I kind of said the Rams are starting to get a Showtime's Lakers feel about them. You know, like, (laughs) star power, you know, recognizable names even to the most casual fans. And they got Jared Goff, former first overall pick, on his rookie contract, and they're in it to win it. They're they're the most aggressive front office this last year, or certainly last year, or maybe last two to add Namakong Su, Marcus Peters and Akib Talib, Brandon Cooks, even though Watkins left and would probably play a similar role. Last offseason was all about surrounding Goff with as many pieces as he possibly could to, for success, including starting with the head coach and even Whitworth and Sullivan and all the draft picks and Sammy Watkins, and that worked. And they outscored, they were the highest scoring team in the league. And McVeigh was phenomenal, and Goff took a big step forward, and Gurley played like an MVP, and we know all those things, you know, and, and that's wonderful. Uh, this offseason was all about getting Wade Phillips, one of the best defensive coordinators in recent memory, his guys, where last year he had a lot of round peg square holes type of guys. Now he's got his shutdown corners and a great secondary. They're going to get massive interior pressures with not only Sue, but of course Donald, and and Brocker's a really good player. So they're not great at the edge. Their linebackers are sort of questionable, but their strengths on that side of the ball are massive. And I would think they'll generate a lot of big plays. You know, that's the style of the defense, a lot of man coverage, corners on islands. You know, they're going to get pressure without blitzing, but I still think they blitz a lot, you know, and they could still even rush three 
and drop a lot in the coverage. I mean, the, really, the world is his oyster now in terms of pass defense. The run defense wasn't great last year, by the way. We'll see how that works out. You know, the, obviously, the defensive linemen are very, very good. Um, I don't have doubts about Goff, but I do think the general public inflates what he is as a player at this point a little bit after orchestrating a very successful season. I think he benefited from McVay much more than the other way around. And he benefited from Gurley much more than the other way around. And he's still developing. It was his second year, and he took great strides from an awful rookie season in a terrible system. But I don't know that he's... He wouldn't be a top 15 quarterback for me right now. You know, he can get there. I think he probably will. But I'm less confident in Goff as a player right now than some of the other young dudes, you know, particularly Wentz, who's in his his, uh, draft class. So... We've also seen teams like this. You remember the, the the stacked Eagles team, you know, that you go out and you it's act like fantasy football and you get all these brand names and it doesn't quite work out. The dream team, Eagles team. But I do think the coaching here is very strong. I think it's very noteworthy that this was the healthiest team in the entire NFL last year. That's not going to keep up. They were also 7-1 and one on the road last year. Probably won't keep up. As I mentioned, their two variable games are the Eagles and the Saints, which I think are the two best teams in the league. They do get the Eagles, Vikings, and Packers, three of the powerhouses in the league. They're all at home, at least. So I was torn on this one. So I I, I think that this, this Rams team's a slight step below the Eagles, the Saints, the Patriots. So they're more likely to win 9 or 10. I think they're still more likely to win 10. The schedule is tough for sure. But there are some games at home that are nice. And I think they're clearly the best team in this division. So I'm projecting them to probably be 5-1 and one in the West. And I think they come up with five more other wins. All right, I told you we have a new friend here on the Locked On Network that's the core belts, core essentials, K-O-R-E. It's not a C, it's a K. But what makes these belts so awesome from core? They don't have any belt holes, which is really crazy. That's right. Instead of their belt, instead their belts use a hidden track in the back of the belt with over 40 size points to choose from. Why is that a big deal? I'll tell you. It's worth it. Ever wonder why your pants slip and turn that waistline into a gut? You know, sometimes it'll just like flop below your gut. Every day as you work, you walk, you eat, you play, your waistline fluctuates in and out just a little at a time. Like if you weigh yourself every day, it changes quite a bit. And so does your exact weight length, you know, width. The core, K-O-R-E, track belt adjusts to match your waist exactly. Each point on the core track belt is just a quarter inch apart. That simple, small innovation means you get a precise, steady, and comfortable fit every time you put it on. And removing and adjusting your track belt is very, very simple. Pinch the small tab under the buckle. Core's patented design also makes it easy to remove the buckle or swap styles. The core track belts ship one size to fit every waist from 24 to 44 inches. And then they have an XL one that goes all the way up to 54 inches. You adjust the size yourself using an easy guide. Core offers a full line of fashionable belts, including classic double stitch with full-grown leather and smooth belts with no stitching, as well as gun belts for concealed carry. 
They also offer a stylish assortment of buckle faces made using st solid stainless steel or high-grain zinc alloys, which is my favorite, to be honest with you. Uh, Coors, Man Man Coors Men's Belts carry a 30-day back guarantee and a full one-year warranty against all defects, unusual wear, or breakage. So feel confident when you shop, you know that you're covered. But trust me, you'll love, you're going to love it, and want to get not going to you're going to want to get rid of all your other belts, and you're going to keep buying these ones. So what you do is you go to Core Essentials. Remember that starts with a K to learn more and get get your own Core Track Belt and see firsthand why it's the best belt you're ever own. Seriously, once you go to the Core Track, you'll never go back. And we've got a special offer just for our listeners. You get 10% off your order when you use our code Locked On. All caps, I think, is a be safe. So that's core with a K, K-O-R-E essentials.com and use the code locked on to save 10% on your order. Do that now. Okay, the team everyone wants to talk about as the next contender, up and comer, San Francisco 49ers. Their win total is only a half a game different from the Rams. Nine. But they have the 10th easiest schedule, where the Rams had a much more difficult schedule. Their variable games are the Giants and the Bucks. Could be tough. Who knows? I mean, it doesn't look brutal, that's for sure. But, you know, th those teams have some talent and some recent success. And there is a lot to get excited about this team. I've told you for way before he got traded, I think Garoppolo is a superstar. And it's going to go down as one of the best moves in Niners history. It's phenomenal. I still think this team's rebuilding, though. I am a massive Kyle Shanahan fan. I love how they're building their team. They are very much building, but that's the key. They're building. They're not there yet, in my opinion. I still think they need a number one receiver, an edge pass rusher, probably another corner, and maybe a guard, you know, to really get this team exactly in Shanahan's likeness and get them where they need to be to compete in a brutal, brutal conference. So a lot of change here, and I approve of the majority of it, though. I mean, there's you know, no question about that. But they opened the season in Minnesota. Ouch. That's tough. And the first half of their schedule is very difficult. After visiting the Vikes, they host the Lions. Then they go to Kansas City. Tough. Go to the Chargers, where there may be more Niner fans than Charger fans, but I think the Chargers are the better team. Host Arizona, go to Green Bay, ouch, host the Rams. After that, it gets a lot easier. So I'm kind of projecting this team that has a lot of changes, has a lot of youth, to start slow and pick up steam and really finish the season strong. And we'll all be talking about, boy, the Niners are going to challenge in the NFC in 2019. And then I'm on board, but I'm not really on board as this team is a contender yet. I think I'm going to, I'm pretty confidently going to take the under because I think that first two month stretch or so of the season may only yield a win or two. And then I think we'll get really optimistic about this team. They'll finish strong, but I'm going with the under on San Francisco. Okay. Next up in the West, of course, is Seattle. Their over under win total is eight, giving this division three teams that they project to win eight or more games. Third toughest schedule in the league. We'll get to that in a minute here, too. Variable games are Cowboys, Panthers. Not easy, but could be worse, that's for sure. Talk about rebuilding. I mean, the nine, I think they're really 
tore this thing down and are starting over and but they have Russell Wilson, you know, and I keep saying that, but they have Russell Wilson, they have Russell Wilson. And I don't approve of what they've done around him. I do think the offensive line is bound to be better, and I don't think they're awful players there. I don't think they've been developed very well. I'm not a fan of Penny, and I don't see why. They, I don't quite understand why they took him there, but I'm sure they're seeing visions of Marshawn Lynch and you know running the game and taking something off Wilson's shoulders, and that absolutely needs to happen. But outside of Baldwin, I don't see much in the way of weaponry. You know, what's at the tight end position? I mean, I think Baldwin gets peppered with targets, and I think Wilson does everything possible and keeps them very, very relevant. But it's not even close to the same defense as it once was. There are some pieces there I like. You know, guys like Frank Clark, I think, are great. There's news coming out today. Earl Thomas once traded. And I wouldn't be shocked at all if that happens. You know, I, I think that's probably the right move now at this point, you know, that it is rebuild time. And they have some pieces, don't get me wrong. Wagner and Wright are still there. But I don't think it's close to being, you know, a perennial top five type of defense that we become accustomed to. So now, let's talk about the schedule here a little. Is they better, better start quick if you plan on getting hitting the over with the, the Seahawks here. And the first six games aren't that bad. At Denver, which I never like going to Denver early on. At Chicago, host Dallas. At Arizona, host the Rams. At Oakland. Okay, you know, by that point we might be like, oh, the Seattle experiment's looking pretty good. Wilson's having a great year. Then they have a bye. Great. Okay. Then what? At Detroit. Like right now, if you're... Seahawks at Detroit, I think the, the Lions are favored in that game, right? Host the Chargers, at the Rams, host the Packers, at Carolina, host San Fran, host Minnie, at San Fran, Kansas City at home, Arizona at home. That's a rough stretch, man. I can see why this is the third toughest schedule. So I think they could maybe be 4-2 and two or so in... Everyone's taught, sit, saying, hey, Williamson, you're wrong. The, the Seahawks aren't rebuilding. They really are where they used to be. And then really getting hit hard. All right, I don't think I mentioned it, but I am taking the under with Seattle. I think that's pretty obvious. Arizona, over-under total is five. It's a hard team to wrap my head around, but that's a pretty low number. The toughest schedule in the entire league. Last team we're going to talk about in the series has the toughest schedule in the entire league. And their variable games are the Redskins and the Falcons. And I think Washington's going to be pretty good this year. I know Atlanta's pretty good. Still, they got hit hard by injuries last year. Very. Namely, David Johnson, but not only them. And I absolutely think David Johnson will be the absolute foundation of this offense. But maybe you don't realize this. Even as hard as they got hit by injuries and losing their best player, they still won eight games last year. And that's something to be said for that. And who's going to be the quarterback? I think Bradford starts, but I'm really, really high on Rosen. And I don't expect Bradford to stay healthy. And, you know, would Glennon be the number two off the bench? I doubt it. Unless it's like a week two injury to Bradford or something like that. But I think Bradford's a good player when he's healthy, too. And I think Rosen has a chance to be a very good player. So I don't know that they'll be bad at quarterback. I'm not sure who's going to be the quarterback or how many games they'll all play. And I don't think Glennon's awful either if he happens to get in there for a short stretch or whatever. 
So I think the quarterback situation will be okay. You know, Larry returns. I think the offense will be offensive line will be a little better, but not great. David Johnson's a great elixir and will solve a lot of problems in the run and pass game. And I think he's going to have a huge year. I like Christian Kirk. You know, they won eight games last year, basically with a really good defense. You know, Chandler Jones, Patrick Peterson. I don't think that they'll be necessarily worse there. You know, I mean, so I think this is, you know, just looking at the team, I feel much better about them being an over five win team. And we'll get to the schedule here in a minute. So my hunch is that the Cardinals, you know, we do power ranks every Tuesday during the season that the Cardinals will be higher on the power ranks than their win-loss total indicates for most or all of the year. But let's talk about the schedule here real quick. And it's not awful to start. Go to Wa- or They host Washington. okay. Then they go to the Rams, eh. host the Bears, host Seattle. Then they go to San Francisco. They go to Minnesota. They host Denver. They host San Francisco. So those first eight games, they're certainly winnable games. But the thing about this Cardinal schedule is there's no cupcakes. You know, like, they could lose all those. They could win five of those, you know, in those first eight. You know, in the buys in week nine. So, but there's no nothing easy. You know, there's not like, boy, that, that, that looks like a win. Or, boy, they're favored by five or six in that game. I don't think that's, you know, that's not on the, on the schedule, at least how it's, you know, it plays out right now. And then after their bye, they go to Kansas City, they host the Raiders, they go to the Chargers, they go to the Packers, they host the Lions, they go to Atlanta, they host the Rams, and then they go to Seattle to finish the year. And again, that doesn't look like a murderer's row. It's just that there's no easy ones. There's none that you'd say, man, I think Arizona's got a really good shot in that one. That's an easy pick on our Friday picks. Oh, yeah, Arizona, they're favored by seven. Give me that. They're, they, that's a win. I do think they win two or three games within the division. I think they're hard to play against. So I'm going to go with the over because it's such a low number. But this is a difficult team to really wrap my head around. So I went over Arizona. I went under Seattle. I went under San Fran. And I went over on the Rams. But an interesting division, interesting scheduling for these teams. Uh, a lot of teams that are changing things for better or worse. I mean, Seattle, to me, is for worse. San Francisco is absolutely for better. The Rams seem like the team much more so than the others that are really in it to win it. And the whole quarterback situation in Arizona is really interesting to me. But I don't really look at their quarterback situation as a negative. I, I, I think there's good quarterbacks in Arizona. How that shapes out, I don't know. Um, all right, check out the uh, the core belts. They're pretty awesome. And I will be back tomorrow.